This episode was edited by Deadset Podcasting. If you want your podcast to sound this good, check out deadsetpodcasting.com forward slash services. Get the sound you're chasing. If you or a loved one need mental health assistance or are experiencing a mental health crisis, call Lifeline 24-7 on 13 11 14. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of FYI, All Things Mental Wellness. This week's guest has got me a little starstruck, to be honest. She is a former swimming champion, a Commonwealth Games bronze medalist and a silver medalist at the World Championships. Since retiring from professional swimming, she has established herself as one of the most recognisable faces on Australian television. A television presenter for the Seven Network, where she has covered some of the biggest sporting events in the world, which include the Olympic Games, the World Swimming Championships and the Australian Open. When I reached out to her to be involved in an episode of our podcast, mainly due to her involvement with Beyond Blue, where she has been a board member since 2014, she kindly accepted and genuinely was keen to be a part of another conversation in promoting mental health and well-being. Her commitment to mental health and genuinely wanting to make a difference to the lives of many Australians who experience mental illness is truly amazing. Joanna Griggs, welcome to FYI All Things Mental Wellness. Thank you so much, Nadia and Bernie. I'm genuinely thrilled to be here. I think what you're doing is phenomenal. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, hey mate, you're, um, you're very busy, so thanks very much for sparing some time for us. In your day-to-day life, because you are so busy, how, how do you manage all that? How do you, are, you, <laughs> are you like the queen of, of scheduling? I'm very good at time management, which I think actually comes ironically from the days of sport. I think there's a lot of skills that transfer from sport into my everyday life and career uh, from then. But to be honest, I, I also make a real point and a very conscious decision to have balance in my life. So that is I take time out for myself. I take time out you know, for my family. I make sure that I do the things that I know I need to do to stay mentally healthy. So for me, I have a vegetable garden that is quite extraordinary. I, I had no, I, you know, learnt plenty over the years on better homes and gardens, but <laughs> had pretty much uh, killed everything that I'd grown in the early years. And through trial and error, I'm in a great position now where I can produce about 80% of our vegetables because, you know, food is just such an important part of staying healthy. So um, between my vegetable garden, bees and exercise, I make sure that I, I get to do all those things and being connected to nature that's really important to me. So I find time even in that crazy schedule to do that. that, that, that <laughs> and you must love cooking, obviously, if you've got all that yeah. vegetable garden and, and what entertaining is a big part of your life too. Yeah, it is. It's. Um, I mean, the cooking, I, I joke that I won my husband over with, with cooking um, <laughs> and we describe, if we try to describe our relationship, he's not a particularly overly romantic man not massive with gestures or anything, but if he, I heard him say to somebody, they said, how, do, how would you define how you show each other love? And he said, oh, for Joe, it's in the kitchen. Like I know every day she loves me because just what she can produce and what she cooks for me. So um, I think, you know, being connected to family and being connected to friends is 
is very, very important to me. And I think if anything, for a lot of people, that's been really reiterated through COVID. And so I think I'm happiest when I'm feeding a household of people, you know, now that we're allowed to have 20 people in a household and and actually, you know, watching them communicate and, and enjoy each other. And, you know, I'm lucky. I've got two sons who are 24 and 23 who are just brilliant young adults. And so now you have this great thing where you can actually socialise with them as well. So um, I come from a big family and I think, I think that stuff's instilled into you from quite a young age and it's definitely a great passion of mine. Do you reckon that's how you keep your buoyant attitude is you found something that you love to do? Uh, I think I'm, I've always been a pretty positive person. I mean, I, I went through health struggles at 17 that really, I think, personally defined who I, I am and, and what my uh, core values were and what I was prepared to compromise on sort of going forward. So I think even though it was the hardest period of my life, it was the, the period where I learned the most about myself. And I kind of look back on that time and I think it was a, an absolute blessing. I think um, I think you actually have to go through some struggles to to actually appreciate what is important and what you need to do to, to, to I guess, keep in your green zone. You know, mental health, you talk about the green zone, orange zone and red zone. And there's a lot of things that people can do to maintain themselves in that green zone. So for me, that's exercise and good sleep and staying really connected with people and, you know, eating well and, you know, watching, uh, you know, an alcohol intake and things like that 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 all play a part when people start to recognise that they're going into the orange zone. (laughs) Nadia's pointing at me when you said the alcohol (laughs) intake. (laughs) Apparently, sometimes I have a couple of wines. (laughs) <laughs> oh, I love a couple of wines as well. Don't get me wrong. I yeah. think it's, it's when people start realising that they're having, you know, they're Constant. relying on alcohol or any other substances yeah. to um, to actually feel like they're reaching their point of control. That's where you know things are actually going a bit haywire. Yeah, totally. For sure. Because you were quoted balance. as saying that failure is one of your greatest lessons, you know, yeah, and that's that, that's how you pick up and get rolling again. And that's, I suppose, something that a lot of people – don't subscribe to in the point of view that they go, well, I failed and I failed again and I failed again and they're not learning from it. How do you keep a presence of mind that that allows you to reflect on your failure and go, yeah, rightio, so these are the lessons from that and this is how we roll forward on that one. Is there anything you use as a tip to do that for yourself? Yeah, well, first of all, I think society, I think it's crazy that they, they aren't as accepting of failures. You know, I think in this modern world of social media and you know, immediate news cycles, um, if anyone so much as, you know, fluffers a, fluffs a line on air, um, you yeah, know, that becomes viral. Now, I'm, I'm so grateful that when I started out in television, I started out in an area where there wasn't social media because, you know, I was promised training. I wasn't given any training. I was thrown into hosting the Australian Open. I was diabolical at it, you know, wrapping your head around the pronunciation of hundreds of of tennis players, as well as trying to understand how live television worked while you were on camera, as you can imagine. I mean, I used to I used to answer the producers down my earpiece mm. um, while I was on air, and then I just do what I would do in a normal conversation, where if it was completely jumbled, I'd go, "Oh, bugger that! I'm just going to start again." And then I'd hear down my earpiece, "What did you just say? <laughs> you never say that again." So I used to go into the the bosses' offices because, as a, as an athlete, you're actually taught to follow direction. I mean, your coach is there to look at you, to work out what's working, to, you know, tell you what you can improve on. Um, if you have a terrible session or a terrible race, 
you very have quickly have to mentally learn how to leave what's not working behind and focus on what is working. So to me, it was like, so if that works in sport, it actually also works in everyday life. So, so what is it about this industry where we just constantly throw people out and basically let them learn through public humiliation? I mean, I joke it's not a bad way to learn because you, you make a lot of mistakes, but you don't make too many twice. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I it just continues to blow me away that we constantly put people into situations where they're not supported and they're not you know, able to make a mistake and, and understand that that's actually part of learning yeah. um, and that you can actually reach a point where you can look back, not be so hard on yourself and actually see it as, okay, so that didn't work. Why didn't it work? And what, what do I need to do to improve it? And how do I make sure that doesn't happen again? So, I mean, it, the bosses at Seven Laugh, ones that are still there from my early days, because I used to just sit in an office with them going, no, watch this back and tell me. I need you to tell me, like, how can I handle that better and what do I need to do? And Because I didn't want to keep going out there and constantly, you know, just stuffing up on camera. But it's kind of like, you know, I, as I say, I still see it's almost 28 years and I still see them putting people in that situation and yeah. the public just so ready to Sink pounce. or swim was a wonderful thing for your swimming career, but not so good for TV <laughs> learning. Yeah, but well, in a funny way, it was good. But, but going <laughs> almost directly, Joanna, from that environment where it's it's trained and it's um, all that support there for swimming, like you've mentioned, and going from swimming straight into media immediately, that, that must have been a massive mind change. I know you were thrown into it, but gosh, how did you cope from that, from being managed and, you know, by minute to minute to here you go? Have this. Well, as I say, I reckon there's lots of skills that you get out of sport that translate into into everyday life as far as I'm very disciplined. I'm disciplined with my sleep. I'm disciplined with my food. I'm disciplined with my schedule. I mean, I actually have to be because, you know, there's so many people I have to answer to and so many schedules that you have to cross-check and there's actually not a lot of room for it not to be organised. So it was different in a sense that I guess one of the great things I had in swimming was I had a coach and I had an environment where if you if you weren't feeling like you were coping, they would just encourage you to actually go and get help. And it's funny how that seems to be, you know, in some cases very, very acceptable in sport. But what I've realised in the years since and certainly through the work that I've done with Beyond Blue, the amount of times that I stand up in front of a crowd and say, so every time I reach a point where I'm feeling overwhelmed and not coping, I go and get psychological help. And they go, people just go, what? Hmm. Why would you say that? So. Because if, if I had an injury, if I'd busted my knee or my shoulder, I wouldn't hesitate to go to a doctor's. So why is it any different when it comes to our mental health? You, you've got to take those steps. So I've never had that kind of barrier that holds people back, which is that first step. Once people actually reach out and ask for help, it's amazing just how much support and help is out there. But it's that thing that holds them back in that first instance, whereas I guess because for me it was such a natural step, I, I never had that. And I've continued that all throughout my life. Mm, what a great skill. It's obviously, a, a, to me, that's a, a bit of a, a beacon that's come on that for a successful person, for someone who's full of energy and enthusiasm, it's you've got to embrace all of those little bits and pieces of life that, and, the, and the assistance that's given you along the way. I say to people when I go to a psychologist, if I've reached a point in my life where I'm feeling quite overwhelmed and not feeling like I'm coping with something, you actually have somebody who, who listens and it's so important with anyone who's going through any kind of mental health issue is to have people around them who, who listen and don't judge and don't try and give them advice that they're not you know, necessarily qualified to give. You can just be there and you can listen to somebody and support them. It's extraordinary the power that, that that can give to another person. But also often it's just been 
when I'm talking out loud and I'm talking about the things that, that, that I feel like I'm not on top of, it just gives me clarity and it gives me clearness in what I'm doing. And most of the time I don't even need the psychologist to, to make any suggestions or give me exercises because during the course of actually talking to somebody who is completely unrelated to the rest of my life, I come out going, okay, I know what to do and what steps to take. Mm. Mm, that's so true. Because you, you share, you take the load off and you can think a hell of a lot more clearly. Absolutely. That's, that's the big thing. Is that how you keep yourself fairly down to earth? I mean, we clearly don't know you personally, but watching you over a number of years on TV, you've got a, an infectious, bubbly personality that it, that's just beaming every time you you know the, the camera seems to be turned onto you, yet you're so down to earth. Well, how do you not like enjoy those moments? I mean, that job, I mean, seriously, I'm so lucky. Like one, Better Homes and Gardens, which takes up the majority of my time, is such a positive show. So for 90 minutes each week, you can have the news cycles going for the rest of the week, but for 90 minutes there's just going to be a show that celebrates people and celebrates great ideas and celebrates innovation and celebrates great products, whatever it is. It's just a really simple, lovely show. Like often we'll go into celebrities' homes and they're so nervous about us being in there. And I'm, I'm just like, mate, I'm not interested in finding a skeleton in your closet. You, you've achieved so much. Let's talk about the positives. So... That show is just a joy to go to every single day. You get to do nice things for people. You get to see amazing things. On the other hand, if you've got your sports side of it, you have absolutely just the most mind-blowing experiences afforded to you because you're lucky enough to be able to host live TV. So, you know, if you can't enjoy that, there's something wrong with you. And then, you know, I ventured into reality TV. I really struggled with reality TV and its focus on being extraordinarily negative in the way that, you know, contestants were treated. And I tried for lots of years to, to change it. And, you know, we had lots of wins along the way, but we also reached a point where once they made it clear that they, they wanted to continue on their path, which I felt like was not a great way to make television, well, then I made a choice to leave. And I think, I think because I'm very confident in, in knowing that I'm going to stick to what my boundaries are and knowing what I'm willing to accept and what I'm, you know, not willing to accept, which is just important, then I chose to walk away. And I think, um, you know, there's something to be said sometimes in saying no if, if it's something that you really struggle with uh, on, on a very personal level. Mm. Mm, that's so true. Hey, tell us about the guy in the red shoes and a, tele- and a conversation you had on, a, on an aeroplane that, that eventually ended up <laughs> with you at uh, Beyond Blue. Well, Jeff Kennett, as you know, founded Beyond Blue. He, his daughter actually had lost a couple of friends through suicide and he has become, you know, this amazing um, person who has really driven the discussion around mental health in Australia. We had a conversation on the plane one day where at that stage there were a lot of athletes, high-profile athletes, and particularly a number of high-profile swimmers that were really in a bad place. And he was just picking my brains as to what I thought it was and what, you know, what I thought could be done. And then he was asking me about, you know, board experience. So I'd have kind of put one-on-one together by the time I got off the plane. And sure enough, a week later, he um, he picked up the phone and he said, look, I can't stop thinking about it. I think it's a different perspective from what we've got. We've got so many amazing academics around the table. I, I really think you'd be a very, you know, valuable addition to the Beyond Blue board. Now, I've been on boards before, but that one, um, it, was, it, it was so daunting to go into that board. There's just so many incredibly accomplished people that, yeah, many that I've looked up to. I mean, you know, I chair after Jeffrey is Julia Gillard, and she's just absolutely phenomenal to watch in action. That Georgie Harmon, our CEO, is the most extraordinary lady. So, to sit in that company, um, it took me a while to realise that I actually did have a lot of value mm-hmm. to add to them, and also that that you know 
28-year relationship with the public was something that they could really use to their benefit. So I feel like now I've I've definitely earned my position and, and it's by far and away the work that I'm most proud of that I've achieved. Oh, that's awesome. And you're, that's a fair point. You get into sometimes situations in life where you are intim- not intimidated by other people, but in, in awe of everybody and you don't feel like you're fit. And sometimes it does take a little while for you to find your feet and your your little slot in that bit. And I think that's a fair tip that people can take away from this, Nadia, is that sometimes it doesn't matter what you're doing and where you're at, if you can just take a little bit of time to, I don't know, just let that situation wash over you and find a spot, then you too have a place that you can put forward the benefits that you've got and those skills that you've got into that situation. Oh, to be sure. honest, Bernie, that's every time I walk into a room full of people, it's my biggest fear. It's every time I, you know, I mean, I'm, that's something I've never been comfortable with. I've learnt the skills to obviously be able to do it. Yep. But I remember the advice my husband gave me because I hadn't slept the night before the first board meeting and he said, hey, you're not meant to be the only expert in the room. You're meant to to just talk from a personal point and to bring a different perspective and just remember uh, there's going to be someone there being the conduit between all those ideas. You don't have to be the expert at everything. And I think about that so often. You know, I chair the National Advisory Council for BU, which is um, in, you know, 26% of early learning services, which is over 4,000 early learning services and over 70% of schools in Australia. It's the National Mental Health Initiative that's in early learning through to, to 18. And, you know, I didn't finish high school. So you can imagine the first day I chaired this extraordinary meeting with representatives from every state and territory for both health and education, plus this phenomenal council board of just some of the best brains and, you know, out of the square thinkers. And I'm sitting there thinking, heck, I didn't even finish high school. So how the hell am I going to do this? But, you know, again, my role is to let them speak and to let them be the experts and just to be able to bring those those conversations together. Absolutely. Did you draw a lot of those skills, do you reckon, from back in the day when essentially you were a single mum raising two boys and you've had to you had to just go forward and do things you know you suck it up and go right yeah well how do I manage this today and how do I do that tomorrow and without a massive support group necessarily around you do you reckon a lot of those things have shaped your abilities to go on and and and, and meet situations like that head on now I reckon that's what everyone deals with every single day I mean we all wake up and sit down at some point and work out you know, what, what's ahead for the day? How are we going to plan it out? What are the things we need to tackle? What are the things we need to address? Yeah, but for some people, that's all overwhelming, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And the thing to do is to break it down into small bite-sized chunks so that you don't feel overwhelmed. That's really, really important. Um, but as far as shaping me, I think that comes from an incredibly strong mother and incredibly strong siblings. I mean, they... I think I'm pretty black and white, but then I look at my my eldest sister and my middle sister and, you know, my younger brother and I think, gosh, mum has somehow raised four of us where we have this incredibly strong, you know, moral and ethics that, that guide us um, that we're just not prepared to compromise on. And, you know, that that stuff that you can learn along the way but I think is really instilled in, in what you see. Now, mum was a great, you know, she was a school teacher but she studied at night and she run the four of us around to a million different sports activities and you know, never made any of us feel like we weren't important. And when you become a parent and you realise how full on it is trying to actually balance all those things, you just have more and more respect and admiration for, for what she was able to achieve. It's funny how you, you it opens your eyes to that, doesn't it, most definitely. And you talked about your, your kids. I mean, your boys are the similar ages to mine. Um, yeah. And now you've got Jack's. Who's yes. uh, he's two now? Yeah, <laughs> two and a half. Oh wow, Coming two up to and a half. March. Yeah, oh, he's gorgeous. Little grandson. It's you learn. The thing. You do learn more, 
I think, um, and you might uh, reflect the same from your own uh, children as they become adults, and because they, they've got different views on what they're doing um, yeah. and how they go about it. And yes, they are a reflection of you. But do you reckon you learn from them sometimes too, mate? Oh, constantly. I think I think from the second that you have children, you learn from them. I mean, you learn straight away that you're no longer the most important person in the room, <laughs> <laughs> and that's actually not a bad thing for us all to feel. It's at a different stage, but. Yeah, they. I, you watch them go through their highs and lows and you watch them go through the teenage years and you think, my God, are they going to get to the other side of this? And, you know, you have – I kind of – you know, I've stopped doing news reading on the weekends, the sport news reading, because, you know, I recognised that I actually had to be available to pick my kids up in all manner of state. And it was really important that I actually invest that time with them then because they were just going through all those coming-of-age things and not always making the smartest decisions. And that's – absolutely okay people people can make dumb decisions that's part of growing up but now watching them come out you know they're well and truly out the other side of it and they're such extraordinary young you know men that I can take anywhere in any situation and watch them you know chat so openly and easily with people and I'm just so incredibly proud of them it's just um it's such a it's actually I've really I've enjoyed every age I I could happily give away a couple of those teenage years but the (laughs) the um the ages that they're at now where they are young adults that you can hang out with is just so much fun and how how good are grandkids oh the best ever like literally Todd and I are beside ourselves (laughs) and it's a different love isn't it I mean you love your kids most definitely and that but that's a protection love grandchildren love is just this warm soft they yeah. melt you and oh, you have time totally. to you have time to just devote to just watching them whereas you're not trying to juggle work and a thousand other things and picking kids up and dropping them off and schedules and dinner you actually when they're there you just get to spoil them and it's the best it's cool mm. i look forward to that I was going to say not quite as old as you two, but um, Joanna, <laughs> you and I are actually very similar age, so I, I can't wait to be a um, a grandmother. I see my sister, who's recently become a grandmother, and yeah, it's it's actually changed her a lot too. I think yeah. it's it's a form of parenting as well, but yeah, obviously very different from your own children. Hey, mate, with Beyond Blue, before Nards is going to jump into something, something a little uh, bit different in a tick, just with Beyond Blue. How can everyday people involve themselves with organisations like Beyond Blue to benefit the community at large? Because we can't fix everybody along the way. But what what are Beyond Blue trying to teach us as uh, as everyday community members to to be able to put back in so we can improve the overall mental wellness of the community? Oh, look, there's a million things and they've got a million ways that you can become involved in, you know, being a champion of the organisation. But I, I say to people that... The thing with mental health is until you've actually seen someone close to you go through a real struggle with yourself or a peer that you know through work, it's like for a lot of people they just don't understand it and they don't want to know. And then when that happens, it's like the blinkers come off and this whole world opens up in front of them and they're all of a sudden faced with a million questions. I say to people all the time, have a look, go to the Beyond Blue webpage, have a look at you know, the information that you can learn about anxiety and depression and suicidality, just so that you have a greater understanding of what to look out for, uh, you know, what to, to um, conversations that you might be able to start and importantly the conversations that you shouldn't be having with people in those things. Like, again, not trying to be the expert. Have a look at the anxiety and depression checklist. I've personally done this with so many of my peers that I've recognised are really kind of going off the rails and I've, I've printed off the anxiety and uh, depression checklist and sat with them and just chatted to them very comfortably and, and making sure that at all times if they want to stop they can stop 
but just going through the questions and where they think they fit out on that checklist. And by the end of it, they're looking at results that they know that they're actually in a state of, you know, orange heading towards red. And they could take that to a GP and they can actually ask for a mental health plan. And I can't stress how important that is if you, you are recognising because once they actually, as I say, ask for help, there are so many different things that can be done. Our online forums, sometimes I go on those just to hear what people are, uh, are feeling anxious about or feeling depressed about or how it's impacting their lives, just so you actually have a better understanding of what people are going through so that you don't dismiss it and that you don't actually kind of go, oh, I don't really understand that, therefore I'll turn a blind eye. Because that's the one thing I learned when I when I was sick and I didn't have a quick uh, chance of recovery, I just discovered that human nature's number one thing that they do is if they don't understand it, they tend to just shy away from it because they don't know what to say or do. So every single one of us has a duty to, to learn more so you can be more empathetic, so that you can be more understanding, and also so that when you recognise a person who actually is in some level of stress, that you can actually point them in the right direction to get help. Like even those, the online forums are extraordinary if that's the first step that people have of actually sharing their story and realising they're not alone and realising there's a lot of people who feel the same way. And they're all manned by, you know, peers and people with um, first-hand experience and mental health professionals. So you actually, if, if you are in a really bad state, we will get help to you. So, I mean, there's a thousand other ways I could answer that, but I just think understanding what's available and, and what you can do to become a champion for people's mental health, not only in yourself but for the people around you, is the single most important thing. We need mums, we need dads, we need kids, we need aunts and uncles to to educate themselves so that they they actually make a person who is struggling feel comfortable enough to open up. And we've spoken about that in previous episodes, Joanna, where people are a little bit frightened to ask the question in someone that they've they've seen some signs that there might be something wrong because they're actually afraid of what the answer may be and that they may not be in a position to help. So, I mean, that's another resource for an an aid, isn't it? I think that's pretty cool. It's not just for a sufferer. That's the big tip there is that as normal everyday people with no education around mental health, if we want to help somebody, where do we get the skill to do that? Well, we don't have to have all the skills, but we need just some identifiers. And if the Beyond Blue website has that information on there that's easily accessible, then that is awesome. Mm, Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I don't know, Bernie, I think we've covered. Joanna, I've, I've done a bit of research of you over the years. I've followed you for, for many years, but I got a bit of a laugh. Um, tell us why a lot of people think you went for the backstroke. <laughs> so I could continue talking oh, while swimming. Was funny. Oh. I was telling Bernie that this morning. I said, if we get any quiet patches, which I don't think we will get with Joanna, so... I mean, as far as the message that, that Bernie and I are about in, in our local community and, and the broader community, I think you've answered that. And yeah. like you said, Bernie, that, that Beyond Blue website, we can't, um, we can't push that enough. Yeah, exactly. Could I say one one thing as well? We, we teach this oh, in. All right. Oh, sorry. No. We teach this in BU, and it's something that we use with you know all of the the, the various mental health organisations that we work really closely with. And it's just a really simple thing to remember, and it's called nip it in the bud. So that the nip it is the N is for notice. So first of all, if you can out, notice any outwardly changes, then inquire, ask somebody 
Do they want to talk? Do they need help? How have they been going? How have they been sleeping? Are they eating? You know, have, have you noticed that they're maybe not taking a huge amount of interest in how they're looking or their personal hygiene? So just inquire. And then the P is for plan. It is to, to actually work out a plan to help them get the first steps, whether that's with them, whether that's you know them going onto a forum or calling a support service and speaking to someone who won't judge them. The nip it in the bud, you know, process is a really simple one for people to remember. So, you know, if we talk about being overwhelmed in a day, if you're overwhelmed noticing changes in someone that you love or someone that you know, break it down to that NIP, notice, inquire, plan. Love it. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Absolutely. You're welcome. Now, Joanna, we like to end all our episode with a bit of lightheartedness. Um, just a few simple questions we'd like to ask. <laughs> whiskey or rum? Ooh, whiskey. Text or calling? 50-50. <laughs> yep. When I'm in the car, I call, but when I'm at home, I don't take I don't take phone calls at home so that I can devote myself to my family, but I can occasionally sneak away a text. Yep, yep good. Nice. Giving or receiving? Giving. Facebook or Instagram? I don't have Facebook, so that's easy, Instagram. <laughs> high school life or adult life? Uh, I didn't really have much of a high school life, only a couple of terms in total, so I'd say adult life is pretty awesome. Scrunch or fold? <laughs> I'd like to say that I'm really organised enough to fold, but I reckon scrunch is the most often. Oh, jeez, <laughs> I had you down as a fold. <laughs> I don't know. time-wasting. Toilets are time-wasting. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Do you know we've had all sorts of, uh, of impressions of that question? Some people think um, folding of clothes. How neat they well, are in this. To be honest, society. I try to buy clothes that don't crash. Yeah, that's And that also limits my life stress. <laughs> hang thing. on. Absolutely. Nah, rip it out. Wear it. It'll it'll hang. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Just don't wear it in the back of your tights after you've been to the toilet braces. <laughs> Tick, I may have done that at one May time. have. <laughs> <laughs> Joanna, thank you so much for being involved. And, yeah, Bernie and I are truly humbled by um, your generosity of finding some time to not only coming to talk to us, it's not about us, it's about everybody listening and, and giving some further conversation and tips and tricks about working on our mental wellness. As Absolutely. We like and the fact to. that we're just keeping that conversation going and we're having people just break down stigma getting away and getting the tips like you talked about with the Beyond Blue and with, um, you know, with, with anything else that we can look at that gives us half a chance to improve someone's situation, we're winning. Well, put it this way, as I say constantly, people, you don't have health without mental health. You can be as fit and you can be as, you know, you love your exercise as much as you like, but that's only half of it. You have to have great mental health to have overall good health, and that's how I approach mental health. Thanks, mate. We really appreciate your time. Have an <laughs> awesome day, and we'll catch up soon maybe. Thanks, Joanna. Yeah, See you on Thanks TV. Guys. See you. <laughs> See you next year on Friday night. You got yeah. it. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> This episode was edited by Deadset Podcasting. If you want your podcast to sound this good, check out deadsetpodcasting.com forward slash services. Get the sound you're chasing.